we welcome our next guest, um, a man who's used to being the other side of the microphone and not being used to being interviewed. Uh, Tom Butcher, you're welcome to Saturday Chronicle. Thank you very much. On the spot there, Tom. <laughs> exactly. So what we want to talk about now, I suppose, is your own business, Lakeside Holiday Park, and how it started, and staycationing, and COVID, and where your business is going, and that sort of thing. You know. uh, will you start by telling us when uh, the Lakeside Holiday Park was started? Oh, okay. Um, I suppose my dad would have bought the initial property back in the nineteen late 1950s. And it was a barren property. There was, n- there was nothing there. There was reeds and overgrowth. There was absolutely nothing. And I remember, uh, I think the locals would refer to him at the time as the crazy or the mad German for <laughs> buying this, this wasteland, yeah. which it was. But it had lake frontage, though, hadn't it? It had lake frontage. Yeah. And um, I suppose for whatever reason, the East Clare area, especially the Mount Shannon kind of Wycott area, seemed to attract um, Germans for whatever yeah, reason. There would yeah. have been a few around. Yeah. And they would have, I think, um, you ha- would have had Bogenburgers, who would have had the, the chipboard factory. That's or not, right. the, not the chipboard, but they had the, the, the logs, the raw material factory in Wycate at the time. Yeah. And, of course, you would... When did Fence start? I'm not too sure about Fence, that. Actually, the Germans started Fence Centers. Acker, A-I-C-H-E-R, I think, was it. Okay. Know? And that would have started, I'd say, about in around that time, late 50s, early 60s. You know? Okay. And Max know. Bogenberger came to work there. Yeah. Uh, Max, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, my, my dad, um, I don't think, had the vision of a camping park originally. Yeah. Because of the fact that I think he just bought it as a piece of um, land to do something with, possibly, as it turned out initially, as a, as a kind of a holiday property, because he wound up building a chalet on the land. And it's, it's now, even today, and it's actually occupied tonight, called uh, Wild House. And it's, it's, it's not the traditional meaning. It's actually uh, meant as in the house set in the wilderness. And it's more of a German wild as opposed to wild. Yes. And um, so my mum and dad, um, and later stage myself, it would have been a, a let's say, yeah, our, our holiday house as such. Now I came along at let's say later years, but uh, my mum and dad's family would have visited quite often to Mount Shannon, and I, for whatever reason, Mount Shannon always had a kind of a, a tourism kind of holiday feel to it, even way back in the 60s and 70s. Of course, uh, the hostel was going very well at that time. It was in, in yeah, the it hostel. was. Yeah. The, 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 the hostel industry was, was huge, I think, yes. in Ireland, yeah. you know. And of course, with Holy Island as well, I think from a pilgrimage perspective, staying in the, in the hostel and possibly getting over to the island, I don't know if, if Ger Madden was around. He probably was a young Ger Madden at the time, but getting over... Um, you know, I mean, if you, if you think about the things that were actively happening in Mount Shannon back then, you had a regatta every summer where yes, you like yes. you, it would it would bring hordes of people. I remember competing in a rowing race um, with other locals, whatever, you know, and of course, coming last myself and whoever <laughs> else was assigned. But, the, you know, you, but you still went about. I think uh, I was the only non timber boat in the race. So yeah. always blame your tools. <laughs> yeah, but so no, that was it. That was that was my that was um, my dad. Then decided, um, probably in around the age of fifty, that he had enough of managing a fertilizer factory in Fines, yeah. and um, he then wanted to start doing something else. Mm. 
with his life and he reckoned um how do you say that he could do something with mount shannon so he built some more chalets and bought some boats and um i believe because this is his own words in a in an interview that he did with irish tv about well, seven or eight years ago he said that the local priest at the time was not happy with some of the conduct in Mount Shannon Harbour <laughs> by the tourists yeah, because they were going topless in the sunshine. And in order to take them away from the Mount Shannon Harbour area, he thought opening a camping park would be the best thing to attract <laughs> them elsewhere. <laughs> that, that's, this, this, is, this is seemingly the truth, and that's the reason he started camping, is because the parish priest at the time, Father McNamara, yes. had asked him, how would you say, would he become a decoy for all these? And of course, he, <laughs> Germans would have loved the air. I think it was predominantly Germans and French yeah, that would have yeah, come. But yeah. when, when we had lots of sunshine, they, they, they loved to remove parts of clothing. And this was a way of getting them away from Mount Shannon. Change times, wouldn't there you go. So he started the, uh, was it camping at that stage, was it? Or at the, I, at the I, I, I think he, he basically, um, you know, I, I think camping would have begun, began then. And I think he would have probably bought a couple of mobile homes. Yeah. Um, he, you know, it's, it's strange. He would have built chalets as well over the years. Um, back in the 80s, he would have had a tourist group from Berlin and they were very, this um, tour operator was very much an entrepreneurial sort of spirit. Yeah. And they decided they wanted to bring groups of about 30 students from Berlin over for a period of two weeks to enjoy Ireland because Ireland was only starting to open up yes. to tourism, yeah. realistically. Yeah. And... Um, and the German mark was strong in those days. That it was, it was, it yeah. was. And you see, the thing was, the the Irish and German relationship has always been strong. The Germans wouldn't get along with every European nation, and I suppose the Irish would would be fairly much loved by most. But you know, we have our few little na- neighbours that probably, how would you say, when a certain football match starts, wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't get on the best. But no, but uh, from a point of view of, there's always been a very good bond between Germany and Ireland. Yes, always has. Yes, yeah. And um, they came over and they had explored the likes of Ibiza and Corsica and all these sunny destinations. Yes. Well, I'll tell you something. After one of the wettest summers, I'd say in memory, they never came back. They <laughs> they stuck it out for one summer, and my dad had built all these chalets for them, yes. specifically yeah. designed as kind of bunk bed accommodation. Yeah, they had a general kitchen, and um, they would have been they would have done tours, tour buses to different places, yeah, the Cliffs yeah. of Moher on a daily basis. But um, yeah, it was d- different times. Different times. We would have had scouts and. We would have had the carving and camping clubs would have started. And gradually, my mum and dad um, would have started this, this business that that kind of has evolved to what it is today. Yeah. And I know over the years, some of the families, you get a lot of repeat business. Families coming back to you year after year. We do. We do. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people say, why don't you market more? And I said, it's we have the best form of marketing, uh, word of mouth. Yes, yes. You know, yeah. and um, we've had uh, we've had a really good summer. The weather has been good. Yes. Um, it's been perfect timing because of the investment that has gone in over the last three years. Yeah, would you tell us a bit about that? I was going to ask you. You know, I know you've done a lot of work and upgraded and expanded. Yeah. Well, look, my my dad when he passed away, I mean, people would say, "Well, God, you're you're such a, you're so lucky to have this wonderful place." Yeah. And I. 
Oh, absolutely, 100%. But he left me this, this fantastic potential that had been built in an infrastructure sense f over many decades. And you would have started, as I said, probably back in the early 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. So, I mean, the requirements that we need today for your modern camper van, your caravan, your camper is completely different mm -hmm. than... Health, health and safety wasn't invented in those days. And no, no, yeah. absolutely. And how it's a, it's a miracle how the place ran to the capacity that it did run, let's say, over all these years. And he made it work. It yeah. was fun. And even the electrician who has been, he has seen it all. He's about, how do you say, he's a, he's a master electrician because he's in his 70s now. Yes. And he's, I wouldn't trust anyone as much as Tom Hickey. And Tom, who put in the very first infrastructure for the um the the shopping center in limerick yeah um the that we all now refer to as what's it the name escapes crescent. me the, the crescent. crescent yeah he would have put in the so he would have been very experienced in big projects yes. mm -hmm. so he said to me um three years ago he said tom i hate to get, bring it to the realization but realistically in in order to operate into the future you're going to need three-phase power and that to me was like saying, whoa, you're going to have to fly to the moon in the next three years. <laughs> yes. And it was it was about doing a project to the scale of just having to really just it's, it's 20 odd acres. Yes. Like, you know, and we have quite a bit of of tree coverage. Yes. Uh, you know what it took to be able to to rebuild um, a natural terrain as the park is was quite substantial. And I mean, I've had a contractor there, I suppose, on and off for the last three years with machines, dumpers, diggers, everything, you name it. Yeah. And I mean, the cabling that has had to be put into the ground um, to be able to sustain the current level of consumption of, of users is massive. So we've, we this year, this May, um, we were able to uh, finally bring three phase to Lakeside Holiday Park. And it was a massive ordeal, and it literally went down to the wire on the last day. You had all the ESB crews there, and a big thank you to uh, to Pat, uh, how do you say, our local ESB man. Yes. And uh, as I said, he's, he's uh, you know, I, I, I can't thank them enough, um, all the, all Danny Clancy and all the crew for, for getting it, because they, they, they worked tirelessly to bring the, and it was a difficult job to get it all hooked up yeah and um it's the difference because we couldn't have ran this year with the volume of bookings that we've had it, it would have been like a pack of cards collapsing because so, yeah something could literally <laughs> roll the fuses and you were in the dark oh it, yeah. last year we had nine power outages during the season oh, yeah. so nine saturday Overloads. nights yeah. you were you were literally there on yeah. a saturday night kind of going looking at the temperature yeah and if your phone said your temperature was dropping by three or four degrees now which would be quite a lot yeah. but nighttime wise you knew by half ten depending on the age of guests that you had on the park and that's just calling a spade a spade yeah in came the fires the, yeah. the blow heaters yeah electric fires all plugged in and then you had this massive load on the system yeah, yeah. and then come 11 o'clock bang <laughs> all of a sudden bedtime in the no dark. power <laughs> yeah you would half of the half the park was in darkness yeah, yeah so it was a terrible way to to and i mean look that's the that's the worst case scenario yes, yeah, yeah. i mean out of the of of all of the last summer 
I mean, it was, but you'd, you'd basically get them to 12 o'clock. Yeah. You'd bring on your breakers and you'd, you know what I mean? It would go down again in 10 minutes and you put them back up again. Yeah. Get to 12 o'clock, which is kind of fairly much the, the close down time. Yeah. And um, you were home and dry for another night, but it was an awful way to, to run things. <laughs> you were on knife edge, we're all that sort of done. You were, so constantly. You're, you're really ready this year for the staycationing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been a very busy season. Um, I suppose in a way people haven't had any choice yeah. but to, yeah. to stay at home. Yeah. Um, we let's say off air. We spoke about my my red setter friend Rocky. Yes. Well, I mean the volume of guests that we would have with dogs is phenomenal. I'd say out of every third arrival to the park, they would have a dog, third or fourth. So and you're then, obviously pet friendly then. then just we, yeah. you, you have to. I, th- I don't think you can. Um, my poor mother, God rest her, she used to go. We used to have. Uh, dogs uh, for the for the summertime outside of the high peak time yeah. of July and August, yeah. and of course every so often a dog would arrive in July and August, and my mother would be out kind of going no 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 dogs no dogs, <laughs> like in the poor but like you know they just happen to come along with their 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 pet yes, so no we had to change all that and we had to make the the park an awful lot more uh, dog friendly. And now it's just phenomenal, uh, the amount of dogs. Now, in fairness, we had to bring in a, a strict lead-only policy, which is the norm anywhere you go well, now. The public street, public you know, parks, yes. Absolutely, yeah. and of course, picking up after your dog's uh, doing his thing. And uh, this is all, well, it's it's all a part of it. Well, it's hygiene, it's everything. You know, yeah. oh, yeah. and uh, you, it's, but, you know, once once you have dog owners that, 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 that are, are, you know, keep their pets in order and all, there's no problem, and, yeah. and people... People are, are well able to holiday with, and it's one of the few locations you can you can come with your dog. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's it's um, as I say, having one myself now, it, it means such an awful lot to uh, to be able to offer something like that. Yeah, and of course you have boats as well, have you? We do. We have the we have the boats. Of course, it's all dependent on weather. Yes. So we have our the the motor boats, the rowing boats, and as I say, up to now. You can still head over to Holy Island and 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 uh, view what's a, it's a wonderful natural uh, attraction, you know. Um, is I think is in one of the one hundred monastic sites in the world. I think it is. It is and quite likely to hopefully be made a UNESCO heritage site. Wow, the next, they've applied for it and that would excellent. That would mean business for yeah, everyone. Abs- yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean, I think there's a there there there, there are plans. For Mount Shannon, for uh, is it an interpretive centre or something? Correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you know, in in a lot of ways, um, it's it's wonderful to use what we yeah. have. So all of your guests then would be self catering, would they? You don't have a restaurant on site. Yes. We we don't. No. It's it's you know what? It's something people have have, have said to me. You know, I should do this. I should do that. I should. But see, I'm so hands on. Yes. In the business, as was your dad. I, I, yeah, absolutely, and, and mom, yeah, yeah, and you, um, like, I have to say that the staff that I have are very young. Yes, I would consider them young, but um, there, some of the some of the girls are with me about three or four years now, and this year of let's say is is one thing that's that's changed. It's an all girl crew, so <laughs> I have let's say well over ten staff, and they're all girls. And they're all college or or leaving cert or how do you say? And they've they've just they're great. They're a great bunch to to, to have working in the park. Um, they're wonderful with the guests, and they're all local. Yeah, good. You know, and they come back year in year out. They get a great uh, grasp of what I suppose real life is like dealing with the public. 
dealing with customers, dealing with problems, dealing with uh, all sorts of things. It's a, it's a fantastic example. And plus, they're earning money to be able to put towards college yes. or to savings. You know, so it's great. And as I said, you're, you're, um, they're, great, they're a great crew. Fantastic. Well, do you think, are there, like, I mean, has the customer changed, we'll say, with COVID and that type of thing? Are you getting new people coming in, Tom? And, y- you are. And are they asking for different things or, you know, has that you've, changed? I, I suppose you've had a lot of new customers that would firmly have the L plates stuck on to the back <laughs> of their tents. <laughs> They would have gone off, they would have the the great outdoors or they would have, you know, purchased a little or Aldi or Decathlon and they've bought this this wonderful bag of their ho- it's, it it represents their holiday for the summer and they yeah. add asen- uh, accessories to this big bag yeah. and then more often than not um, how do you say the bag is put in front of, of daddy or mammy depending on the group that you would have uh-huh. and it's like off you go, assemble that and that's your home for the night. So you're bringing your home on tour. And the home happens to be uh, made of canvas and poles. And uh, my best recommendation is to anyone, if they have a back garden, set it up before <laughs> they go. For the yeah. Because I would say, oh, sure, you know, great. So you're, you're a damn hand at assembling those tents then, are I'm, you? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Tom, you know what? The, the funny thing is, yeah. uh, someone someone arrived in a camper van last uh, last weekend. And they said, um, I was brought down to them. They had a problem with power. And the one thing we have this year is power. Yes, yes. And it went down and I would have checked, I would have checked their, let's say our system, their lead going to their camper van. And I said, do you actually have power through your lead to your camping van uh, connection? So I said, the issue is actually within your camper van. And they said, oh, we've only after renting this thing, this thing, and we haven't a clue. And I said, well, I said, you're in luck. I said, I have a gentleman now big shout out to Tom Ryan from Tipperary there's a bit there's a bit of a request going on but Tom Tom it does camper van conversions out of a hobby he's bought and sold camper vans he knows everything on the internet yeah. he knows every switch possible and he I said I rang him and I said Tom do me a favor would you call down to these lovely people in a camper van from Dublin and he sorted them within a couple of minutes yes he showed them everything they wanted and this is this is a, a how do you say this is one of my guests, yeah. and I ring him up to go and help another guest. <laughs> but that's but that's that's yeah. that is the, the wonderful aspect of the caravan and camping holiday. You don't have a kind of an elitism. You have people coming together. They could have bought their tent in little. Yeah. They could have had their tent or their caravan or their camper van for years. They yes. could have might bought this new fancy deluxe camper van. But there doesn't seem to be this class distinction. People just seem to to bond really, really, other. and help each other, and yes, there, and, yes, and there's yes. just this mingling, yeah. mm-hmm. which which is very unique. Whereas you know, in other industries, you'd be kind of looking at the Joneses next door and Jesus checking out. <laughs> but they'd be not, they'd be nearly going over to someone, going, "Listen, I'm after seeing you take that out of your camper or your caravan. Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Where did you buy that?" Mm-hmm. And they they share their information, and they become. Yeah. You have people coming back. Year in, year out, and they're joining others to kind of match the period of time that they're coming. Yes. So yes. they can meet up yeah. again. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a, you know it's a kind of a gathering yeah. on a yearly basis. It's a bit like when our kids were younger, we used to go camping to uh, or caravanning to the 
France quite a bit. Oh yes, of course, yeah. yeah. And you'd always meet up with somebody, and this, you know, those great friendships formed. And yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you keep it. You keep it. To see the the big negative that I have is, and this is my tale of war. I can never get away in the summertime. <laughs> so everyone tells me about these lovely uh, uh, holidays to France and Spain and Portugal and, and renting these and mobiles. I've never had one. And I've never had one. You see, that's the mad thing about I know, it. I know, I know. You mentioned um, the camper vans. Now. That's the relatively new craze, I suppose. You... Uh, welcome those and you have plenty of stands for them have you yeah they they they're they're very self-sufficient you know and i mean they're they're really made to park up anywhere um even with their i mean they would need their their services gray water and you know uh, let's say topping up with normal water they have chemical disposal as well but yes they can they can stay self-sufficient like with their battery some of the new ones have solar panels they can park and you would have probably seen and Probably also to the detriment of, of some local areas around the country as well that you would have had an influx of camper vans to an area and it would have been a, a kind of an overwhelming feeling, especially I think during the lockdown period where there wasn't much movement or there was limited movement, yeah. places hadn't reopened and all of a sudden camper vans started to appear in public areas yes, and yes. it didn't it, it didn't go down well with a lot of locals yeah. and I can understand that as well because there is a claustrophobic nature of uh, with overnight yeah. you have this this kind of entourage arriving I'm thinking of my hometown of Portumna down there at the, I yeah. call it the New Harbour they mm. have, there's births there, I call them births for about Maybe ten mobile homes or ten camper vans. Yeah, yeah. and um, could every could Marchand and, and you know Scarif do with something like that? Um, I know you provided, but yes, uh, I'm thinking more of something municipal. Well, I, I think I, I I think I best refer to a Father Ted moment. I think where it says <laughs> an, an ecumenical matter is that what this yeah, is? Oh, yeah, ecumenical yeah. matter. <laughs> it's. I'll tell you what. Well, you can cater for them anyway. We can we can cater for yeah. for camper vans. I'll tell you. I many years back. I was on the Irish Caravan and Camping Council. Yes. And um, I would go maybe every second AGM, yep. I would head and I would I would attend. Okay. And they would have their AGMs right around the country. But one of the main one of the main issues they would have is that um, how would you put it? You have camping parks yes. that, that have invested an awful lot of money. Yeah time in facilities in services and the like yeah. and then let's say with a bigger community or bigger town let's yeah. say for example cove yes down in cork the council will then come along and they will provide how do you say like they would in france municipal kind of stands yes right public parking points right some of them would would look for um, a fee a, a nominal fee maybe of 10 euros yeah. or so yeah. forth right and this would be catered for for two level two reasons. Yeah. One is to solve a problem. Yeah. And the problem is kind of rogue parking, yeah. just yeah. influx yeah. of camera. Yeah. So to, to bring some sort of structure to it, right? But on the other hand, the same councils would be demanding rates from parks yes. for their pitches. Yes. But yet they're providing pitches to camper vans. Competing. So there's a contravening. Yes. There, there is. There is. There is a, a legal contravening issue here yeah, yeah. in relation to to you can't do that. Yeah. You can't demand uh, rates, 
and provide a competition to those rates. Yes. So somehow Galway County Council with, uh, I think it's to do with land, the owners of that particular piece of land in Portumna. Yeah. They've been able to get through the kind of the red tape because I think that land is owned by Waterways Ireland, possibly. Possibly, yeah. You know? It's, or it's the OPW. relatively new development anyway. It's it, and, yeah, see, the, yeah. and the thing about it is, it's, it's, the, the industry are fearful of, um, how do you say, uh, commu- not community, corporation kind of parking areas open up. Yeah. Because they feel that we've invested so much in being able to provide both um, employment through their staff. Yes. Bringing tourists to the area, investing heavily in the, I mean, the infrastructure alone in the last three, just for the three phase, and yeah. it's something you can't really even see because yeah. it's underground, probably has cost close to a quarter of a million. Really? To introduce that. Yeah. Not from the ESB sites, but from our infrastructure sites, yes. yeah. through machinery, through ducting, yeah. through cabling, all that sort of thing. Yeah. So there's a massive, there's a massive cost involved. But equally, you see, there are those owners that will park randomly. I saw it, I saw it. I remember when the lockdown reopened, um, I think it was, the, it was the 10th of May, yeah. I think we could travel yes. around the county. And I think it possibly was a Friday night. Now, I could be mistaken. But we had been nowhere at all during the lockdown, sure, yeah. other than basically Scarifmont and it, within, within your realms. Now, we decided to go to the Hinch on the first night because we knew Saturday would have been mobbed. Yes. So we went late to La Hinch and my wife loves the sea and the kids. We said we'd go for a jaunt up to La Hinch. And there you saw three or four campers sitting on the promenade in the car parking area. Jesus nearly took the deck chairs out, put them out. <laughs> there was Mary reading the book. There was John having his coffee on the promenade, surrounded by people walking past. And they did, but this is what they did. Yeah. yeah. Now, I... I wouldn't do it in a million years. <laughs> that to me would be hanging out my laundry out on the main street. I, I just, I just, I couldn't I get over I, it. I agree I just, with you hundred percent. I yeah. couldn't. Do it. I said, yeah. But this is what certain people would would enjoy doing. Yes, yes, yes. and they would travel around the country doing that. Yeah, yeah. And I would say certain local communities would probably find it a little bit cheeky. A bit yeah. brazen to just pull up and just park. For sure. And they'd be self-sufficient, you see? Yeah. yeah. And as I said, the waterfront areas are an obvious attraction. Yes. Because of the fact that it, it feels more of a holiday destination. You're by the sea or by the water, yeah. You are, you know, or the, or the lake for that matter, like yeah. Mount Shannon or wherever, you see? I know. Yeah. Tom, we could stay talking for, we'd be talking for a nice little while. Are you recording, you're recording this, I, right? I think I am, yeah. <laughs> I thought this was all fair now. <laughs> no, no. So thanks very much for giving you your time and we wish you Part all the one. best in the future. And I know from what you've put into it, you're committed to this future. Are you staycationing stays for a long time to come? That's it. It's a lifestyle choice. Yes. Yes. yes committed. Yes, yes, committed. Yes, committed. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a million, Tom. Yeah. Thanks a million. Uh, delighted to get to the other side of the mic to talk about your own business. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Take care.